Welcome to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode eight. I want to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast in iTunes and any other podcatchers you might be using. I'm really excited today as this is my first podcast interview, and we have with us on the phone today the talented Miss Ellie Cat, who is a professional model in Arizona. Ellie specializes in fashion, boudoir, and artistic work, and I have been following her for some time now on Instagram. As I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast, I plan to not only talk about cameras, lenses, and photography tips and techniques, but also do interviews with industry professionals such as Ellie, and I want to thank her for being my first guest today. So, Ellie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. I, again, I want to pre, uh, thank you for, for being my first interviewee on my podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. So, uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you um, is how long have you been working as a model, and is it something that you always knew that you wanted to do? Oh, well, that's a complicated question and kind of in two parts. And, well, the, the length of time would probably be a total of over five years. But it had a, a brief stint where I didn't do any modeling because I went to college and I couldn't find the time or the just the power or strength to actually keep doing both of them. And as far as something I always wanted to do, I definitely say it's in that realm. I had, I, as a little girl, I always would look at these catalogs or people with photographs and I thought, oh, I want to be on someone's wall. Or I'd love to be in a magazine. Or I want to be wearing the clothes that somebody's wearing and doing something pretty in front of a camera. And I didn't know exactly what that entailed or how hard the work was to get there. But I'd definitely say it was something that I had always dreamed about. Well, that's definitely cool. And I can understand uh, not being able to make time for it as you're going to college. I've, I've gone to college a few times myself, so it can definitely be rough balancing <laughs> everything at once. So I can definitely, yeah. definitely understand that. <laughs> So are you generally for hire with any photographers in, in your home state area, or do you only work with specific photographers that you collaborate with on a regular basis? Both, actually. I collaborate with a handful of photographers that really love working with me or will hire me for specific projects, or we do a lot of collaboration work if one of them wants to try something new or just they like to... I say the word use loosely, but they like to use me for projects because I'm, uh, I've been told I'm a lot of fun and I'm an easy entertainment. <laughs> I'll do most anything if it's like a first time, hey, I'll try and stand on my head and do this sort of thing or, you know, just something extreme. And then on the flip side, um, I have, you know, open dates throughout the different months that you know people can hire me for new work or if they've never worked with me before and I'm just starting to travel to different areas so this year specifically I've been uh, contacting a couple of photographers in California and in Florida to completely different parts of the United States but so far I have a uh, I think four photographers in Florida that would like to work with me and a giant handful in California that would love for me to travel out to the LA, San Francisco, and San Diego areas. So kind of spread apart, but kind of an all spectrum of them. And I'm I'm pretty much booked out, I think, three months in advance. And that's just my schedule's kind of crazy because I'm not a full time model. I only model on the weekends 
and some longer weekends that include weekdays. So my schedule gets pretty hectic with everything. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I remember I had asked you on uh, on Instagram if you did travel for shoots at all, and and you'd said that, <laughs> that at the time you're not, but uh, but that's great to hear that you're thinking about doing that as well, especially if you're you know fairly high in demand. That's a great thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much. I mean. I guess in the Arizona area, there's not too many people that don't know who I am, which is a great thing, right? And some people are like, yeah, you know, you're you're Arizona famous. And, I, and I'm using air quotes, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're kidding. And they're like, no, really. Like, everybody in Arizona wants to work with you. I was like, really? This is legit? Because that sounds like a joke. And they're like, no. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's exciting for me. And it's it's a great amount of fun. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that and it's a awesome opportunity so I was like I should try to branch out but see where else I can go where other people haven't seen me or worked with me but they know my work because uh, I've reached out to them and they like what I can do so we're going to see what happens that definitely sounds like it'd be a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of opportunity for you to really expand your career as a model absolutely oh yeah <laughs> now as a matter of fact um for the Friday of this week, I actually had my first opportunity to work with a professional model. Um, she's another model that I'm in touch with on Instagram and Facebook, and she travels all the time for shoots um, to different cities and states. And Fantastic. I'm not, uh, I'm not really big as a portrait photographer. Um, what, years ago, back back many moons ago, and now I'm giving away my the fact that I'm ancient. Um, I, used, <laughs> I used to do uh, children's portraits for Kmart back when retail stores actually had, uh, well, they didn't have studios in those days. They do now. And, and they hire what I basically call shutter monkeys, not somebody that actually yeah. knows how to take a photo and how to pose people, but somebody that just knows how to push the button. Um, yep, exactly. And, yeah. And back when I did it in the uh, mid nineties, I was on a team of seven and we traveled from Maine uh, back and forth up and down the East coast from Florida to Maine. And we did the children's portraits for all of the Kmarts on the East coast. So that was a lot of fun. And oh. I really enjoyed that because I loved working with kids. I've always, always had a, a knack with children, especially young children. And probably mm -hmm. because I do a lot of silly voices and stuff like that. So it's easy for me to entertain them. Um, but as a photographer, I have a harder time with adults. Um, I'm more shy with the, with grownups and and especially with models, so it's harder. And I I have I don't have the knack for giving models you know direction as far as you know how I want them to pose and stuff like that. So when <laughs> I, when I learned about this other model and I reached out to her and found out that she does travel to other city you know all kinds of different cities and states. She's based out of Colorado, and okay. I thought I definitely need to book some time with her the next time she comes to Atlanta because. I could get a better experience because I could work with somebody who's a professional model and already has a good idea of, you know, the poses and looks that most all photographers want. So I worked, mm -hmm. I worked with her this past Friday um, and it was a great experience. I got some amazing photos of her and it was just easier for me because I only had to give her basic directions like, okay, let's, let's go over here and, and have you stand in front of these windows so I can use some of the natural light behind you and stuff like that. But she knew how to do all of her own posing and, you know, being she's been doing it for a while, like you have, 
it, it all came natural to her. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, that much direction as far as how she posed herself. So that made it a lot easier for myself. Yeah. And that's awesome that you got to work with someone like that. I can't wait to see what you post. And, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> I guess a lot of the stuff that you've been saying kind of hits home. You, you know, you're talking about the, the shutter monkeys, as you call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what we call them as, as models, um, like say if we're at an event and there's always just that person that's lurking that like, we know they know how to click the camera and point it, but we call them GWCs or guys with cameras. <laughs> and they're just that person that shows up like with their cell phone going, Hey man, can I take your photo? And you're like, Oh really? And you, know, you, you don't want to break their heart, but you, you don't know exactly what to say. So I mean, that part, I feel you, but, uh, on, on the flip side of that, going back to more uh, professionalism and in modeling for the model part, uh, having a seasoned model for a photographer, I've been told many times is, you know, uh, I guess I'm losing my words, but <clears throat> is like working with a dream, they've said, or is, you know, simple and you make their job easy. And I worked with a couple of people today from, uh, they're from the Napa Valley area excuse me, Napa Valley area. And they said, wow, you're such an easy shoot. And I'm like, well, thanks. And they're like, well, no, you, you can read our minds. It's like, you know, they, they give you a basic direction. And that's one thing with becoming a seasoned model is no matter what kind of situation you're in or what you're wearing or the, the lights of the people or what's going on, you bring that level of professionalism where whoever you're shooting with is going to be extremely happy they hired you because you know how to pose, you know what to do to give you very basic direction. But I would have to say hands down, one of the things I love the most about a photo shoot is the photographer asking me, hey, can you do this? And they're showing you what they want you to do, whether they're curving their body correctly or they're laying on the floor or their legs bent a certain direction. <laughs> so many times I wish that I could get that on film because it's so much better than anything I could produce just for the level of humor that it brings to the entire situation. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, and it's like I was saying a moment ago, it's, it's not that I'm trying to be mean to the people that, you know, work in the little fixed studios and like Walmart or, oh, or no. the store maybe, <laughs> but I refer, I refer to them as shutter monkeys precisely because when I did it and traveled, I had to know how to set up my own studio. I had to know how to position yes. my lights. I had to know how to actually operate the camera. And if, yeah. you, and if you know anything about these little fixed studios they have now, uh, the reason why I call them shutter monkeys is because they're, it's either a studio company that was started by somebody that was a, prof- a professional photographer years ago. And it's mm-hmm. like they came up with their own little cookie cutter format for how to do portraits. So, and and if you look, they, I swear to God, you go into these little studios and they have like duct tape X's on the carpet that they use. Yes, they do. Yes. And it's like, okay, put one, one mono light here, put the other one here. The camera goes on this third X and you set the person in this chair or on this bench or whatever. And you push the button. That's why I call them shutter monkeys. (laughs) Probably color coded too, just to make sure they don't get it wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and. 
And back in the day when I when I did it, you know, you had to know how to do everything yourself. You had to know how to meter for the lighting and you had to know how to configure the camera, you know, what aperture was going to give you the best depth of field, you know, and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And I used, I mean, I don't even know what they use these days because I haven't been to any of those, um, any of the fixed retail photography studios. But back when I did it, I had a real 35 millimeter. And of course, I was still in the days of film cameras. And the, cam yeah. the camera that I had actually had a, a cartridge that attached to the back of it that held the film. And each each cartridge was like 555 shots. But yeah. you had to know how to set up everything yourself. We didn't have any marks on the floor or any of that stuff. So, you know, it was a lot more work in those days. And, you know, and we, uh, we made good money doing it, too. Yeah, it was super intensive. I mean, I, I work with a couple photographers now that have gone back to just using film for kind of that just historical that kind of grainy nature that it brings mm -hmm. and the work that they have to do i mean they have all of most of the developing stuff uh at their house some of it they have to send off depending on what size they want or uh whatnot but most of them can develop the negatives and then scan them in to a program now yeah. and look at all of their their work and and still digitally clean up the negatives. But um, Tim Weaver does a great job, and so does Jim Baker out here in Arizona, of both using just, you know, a platform. I honestly couldn't even remember the names of the cameras they use because, to me, they're just ancient, old. <laughs> I mean, I as a kid, I had, like, one of those little, uh, what were they? They were, like, those really thin, like, two by uh, six inches long by, like, half an inch thick where the roll was like this little miniature thing. And I remember getting that when I was a kid and my mom was like, Hey, go have fun. Oh, and yeah, I remember like, this of like <laughs> the grass and my feet and yeah. you know, the upside of my nose. Cause I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> you know, for learning a camera is great. But watching people now when the digital era is just huge, right? That's all anybody uses. Use actual film cameras. And they're like, yeah, we used to use these back when, when you were like still in diapers. <laughs> uh, and that was all we had to use. The effort that goes into knowing all of those settings blows my mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and so for someone that was traveling around like you to do that for all of those things, you had to know exactly what you were doing because I can only imagine the amount of money you were out if you messed up a roll of film at that time. Oh yeah, uh, that kind of that was that would have been terrible. It's not like a, oh an SD card I can hold a thousand photos, not a problem. It was like I have to get this done in a certain amount of time with a certain amount of photos and have them come out good so the people would pay you for it. Oh, That's yeah. just, just amazing. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm actually friends with Tim Weaver. He's a great guy. And, uh, <laughs> I, I still collect old film cameras. I don't shoot film anymore. Um, a lot of my friends still do. Uh, some of my professors from the college where I got my bachelor's degree still love to shoot film and they use digital okay, cool. as well. Um, That's awesome. But I posted some photos of some of my old film cameras that are in my collection. And Tim's like, hey. I saw those. He's like, if you're not going to use those, send them to me. I'll put film in them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, and that's how I started out. I, I took photography in high school back in the 80s. And, you know, wow, cool. it was all, you know, film. And you had to develop the film. We learned how to develop the film. And we at the, my high school, we had our own dark room and all of that stuff. But oh, yeah. uh, digital has spoiled me. And I have all these film cameras and pretty much all of them still work, but it's like, yeah, I don't want to go through that hassle anymore. 
And I, yeah, definitely, I definitely don't want to have my own dark room here at the house and have to buy all the noxious <laughs> chemicals and all that stuff. But a lot of my friends that, that dabble or that still shoot film as well as digital, they really love it. They absolutely love it. Yeah, it does give a different, I'd say, historical look to the film. But, I'm, I mean, going digital and watching everything that people do with that, I mean... I don't, I can't say that I know a lot about the cameras themselves, right? I, at one point in time, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a camera from Costco. And so I got one of those whole kits of the Canon. It wasn't a bad camera. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take pictures of my kitty cat. And like three people from work said, hey, would you take pictures of my kids? I'm like, oh, gosh. And so I did it anyways. <laughs> and then a couple of people were like, hey, um, my son is graduating from high school. Would you take their photos? I'm like, sure. And so I was like, wow, this is actually interesting that I can do so much more with someone who, you know, it's just a teenager where you're like, hey, look into the sunshine and do this with like sun flares. And then I got into like looking at different things as myself. And so I started taking pictures of like trees and my animals and stuff like that. But never really took it to a point where I'm like, hey, I'm going to take pictures of all these people because I took my camera to like take a picture of my friend in her bridesmaid's dress for a wedding. And the bride wanted me to shoot her her entire wedding. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm I'm not a photographer. You you got the wrong person. They're like, well, no, our photographer can't make it. I'm like, why? It's the, the weather's not bad. They're like, oh, they're stuck somewhere. I'm like, oh, you're gonna so regret this. So I I took pictures of everything for her, and I was just like, I don't know what to do with them. Here you go. And I gave her this giant pile of like 400 photos, right? And she's like, oh, thank you so much. I was like, wow looking back at that which i'm not going to say how long ago it was and to now the amount of like effort that goes into wedding photography she didn't get shit for photos and i felt so bad for her but hey she didn't have anybody else to like capture that moment so i took her pictures and i kind of saved the day in a really horrific way i would never do that again <laughs> like i'm never the person to show up with a camera to think that i knew what i was doing because i had no clue like well, no idea. Yep, I can understand that. I, I mean, I know what I'm doing with a camera, and I avoid weddings <laughs> like the plague. Oh, I, I want nothing to do with weddings. It's too much stress, too many headaches, and I don't want to deal with bridezillas all the time and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I can understand that because, you know, if you screw up somebody's wedding photos, you've ruined everything. Exactly. Yep. And she was, the sad part was, I worked with the girl that I was going to go take her photo of, and the bride... Uh, happened to be my bar at the time. And so not only did I have to hear about it from her bridesmaids, I had to hear about it from her until I had put in my two weeks to that job. Oh, but, wow. but everything about the photos, I'm like, dude, you didn't hire a photographer. I was there to take a picture. Wow. And so if anything was bad or, or if I didn't capture something, I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I was essentially a teenager I was working at Dairy Queen, and that was it. I mean, that was that was the the thing. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is terrible. But I lived with it, and I moved on, and I would never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can definitely feel your pain on that one. Yeah, like I've done <laughs> I've done weddings for a couple of friends and and family members, but that's it. I definitely there would not go. want to do it for a living. Uh uh. Uh Not me. And I know I have a lot of respect. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of money to be made in wedding photography, but it's just not my thing. I would just assume yeah. stay away from that mess. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. 
So let me ask you, uh, the next question I had is, do you work um, just strictly freelance um, as an independent contractor, or do you also work through a modeling agency? I'm strictly freelance. Um, I, uh, when I first got into modeling, I had thought that I was like, oh, I'm going to go get this agent, and I'm going to have him work on my portfolio. And granted, I think I was 16. I'm like, hey, mom, take me to this place. And they're like, oh, wow, you're going to regret this, which I did. Um, this person who, uh, I think her, the owner of the company, her name was Teresa. I don't remember her last name. She was the worst person in the world. Oh my gosh. This woman was mean and on and levels of evil, evil that I couldn't even, you know, recreate of just how she treated the people that were there. And you know, I was there for like a couple months. And I'm like, yeah, peace out. See you later. You guys are terrible. Oh. And uh, yeah, so I was like, I, I kind of have a, a slight aversion to any form of agency, although I would love to have an agent like manage things like that. It, the freelance portion of it, it gets really rough because you have to manage your personal calendar and your work calendar and then your modeling calendar separately. Oh, wow. And you have to find time because I'm, I'm not a full-time model. Uh, like I was saying before, I have, I'm actually a professional geologist and so i i work for a mine and that oh, cool. it's a very taxing job i work over 40 hours a week just at my normal job and then all of the spare time and the work that people see from me come from my uh, three-day weekends essentially and i'm i think this week uh you know although a lot of funny stories happen i think i shot three I shot three photo shoots this weekend wow. and so it, you know, it gets the uh, managing that becomes very difficult. And so, you know, you have to manage what your rates are, how you get paid, you know, what you sign, what people are using the photos for. It's a, it's a whole nother full-time job. I would have to say it. So I, I, and again, to answer your question, I work with everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great though. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I know a, a lot of the models that I follow on social media are, are freelance like yourself. So I was like, well, maybe the, you know, the agencies have gotten a bit of a bad reputation as far as how they treat the models or I don't know, but I, you know, most all of them I know on, on social media are all freelance like you are. Exactly. And, and I would say that the smaller and not to diminish any form of a smaller company. I mean, you know, my, my parents have their own small company. I'm not, I'm all for that. But the smaller agencies I've noticed, they want a nickel and dime models. And that's not a true agency, right? Um, a true agency will take a model in and they will develop them in a way that they see that their look is going to go into the industry. And so they'll help them get the right photographers. You know, they'll set up their test shoots. They'll give them, you know, their model cards so that they can hand out to people. They'll set up a portfolio. And all of this comes at the expense of the agency hoping to make money off the model. And those are bigger modeling agencies. Unfortunately, the smaller ones think they're going to make money off of the models initially. So they take them in and they're like, oh, you're going to do all these great things. But first, you're going to go through this class and you're going to pay this person. And then you're going to hire this photographer and they're going to get you these photos so that we can blow them up and put them in a portfolio and make your model card. Oh, but wait, you've got to pay for all this beforehand. And you do all of that before actually making money. Oh, wow. And so 
I've almost been pulled into some of those teams, but I'm like, mm, this doesn't seem reasonable or right because you have to invest money to make money, right? Yeah, exactly. And if, if the agency wants to make money off of you, they need to invest money in you because you are their investment. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, oh, yeah, a lot of those smaller places have it very wrong where they want to make money off you right away in case they don't make money off you, which in turn is saying, hey, I don't believe that you have either the gift or talent or the looks that I'm looking for to go make my agency money. So I'm going to get money from you first. And then if you make it, you do. If you don't, I'm sorry. Yeah. If you don't make it, then oh well. Yeah. But they they made made a kick off of you. and Exactly. And then I don't feel that's right. So at least freelance, I'm like, I probably have an oversized closet. I mean, I have an entire bedroom. Kid you not. That is my closet that, I had to go to Home Depot and buy all the shelves to put everything up. And granted, you know, if you don't put it in the studs right, it all falls off the wall. So that was fun to find out. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I have to pull from my own model closet from people who are like, oh, I want to do this look and I want to do this and I want to do this. I'm like, wow, what do I have that I can just pull out and go do this look? Because more than, I'd say, 85% of the time, the people that you're going to shoot for, they don't have the clothes necessarily to, you know, give you to, to do these looks unless it's for a company that's providing the clothes, of course. Yeah, exactly. So you, you got to pull from, you know, what you have. So being the goodwill, we are best friends. And <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, and when you get in with like a, a larger modeling agency, of course, they either have the wardrobe or they have the relationships with the fashion designers so they can borrow the wardrobes that they need for shoots and, and all of that yeah. stuff, you know, they have all that networking already in place. So, but yeah, I can imagine exactly. as a freelance, you probably have to own a lot of your own, your own, uh, uh, clothing and accessories and stuff like that for various shoots. So yeah, that, yes, I, you do. <laughs> and then on top of, of that, <laughs> yeah. And you have to make sure you don't duplicate things too many times, or if you do, you got to make it look different from the last person because you know, and I understand this, but people will get a little bit hurt if you're like, oh, you know what? I think I've seen you shoot in this with so-and-so and you're like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. So far, I haven't had that happen. Well, I'm a good, good disguiser of clothes. So I'm like, yes, because most people have said, hey, you don't duplicate your looks very often. I'm like, oh, thank God they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I think maybe that might be easier because you're a woman like me. I would have no idea how to mix up my clothes so that I could look different every time. <laughs> if I was working okay. as a model, I'd be lost. I'd be lost. I'd have to have a tractor trailer full of clothes and shoes. And then you'd have to have somebody tell you what match. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'd be totally lost. Me, I'm just strictly, uh, most of the time I wear what I call my John Cena shorts and a t-shirt. And that's what, that's how I go. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great. Oh goodness. So let me ask you, because you were talking about it a moment ago. Um, so what are some of your favorite themed shoots that you've done and why were they your favorites? Oh, well, that's a cool question. Um, favorite themed shoots. I would have to say I've done a lot of work uh, this past year with Dave Kelly and James Sazer. And uh, with James Sazer, he asked me, he's like, hey, do you have any cool areas to shoot? We need to shoot at this time and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, um, I'd love to do something with a parachute. And so he thought I meant parachute skirt, like an actual parachute that's been dyed and turned into a dress. 
I meant like the actual hang me from a parachute sort of let's get it up in the air. Oh, cool. And um, so once I told this to him, uh, he like sent me a bunch of links to finding parachutes on eBay or, you know, whatever else. So I had to come up and like, you know, buy one because who's going to just have an old like army parachute hanging out? So uh, he's like, hey, I heard it about this thing. Someone posted it on YouTube that they went and found this old abandoned airfield not too far from you. I'm like, cool, I'll figure this out. So when I wrangled up my boyfriend, I was like, hey, let's go find this. So you know, slightly after trespassing and going through a field that was slightly questionable and some barbed wire, we found this old abandoned like army airfield. Oh, cool. And it had this giant hangar and a runway that was completely clear. And in Arizona, that's a huge thing is the cactus, right? It snags everything. There was no cactus anywhere. Wow. And it was so exciting. So I have on my little army skirt, my boots, and I am, you know, trying to catch air with the, the parachute, and that doesn't go so well. So we just happen to have beautiful clouds in the sky, you know, that perfect glue to cloud like ratio, mm-hmm. but no air at all, no wind, period. Oh. The end. So I had a dead parachute. So I had to run up and down the runway to grab air in the parachute. I was exhausted by oh the end. Goodness. I can imagine. And so once I. Once I did get air in the parachute, it would like leap me up in the air, so I'd have to like hold on to it, so I wasn't blown away. But the pictures came out awesome, and um, actually from that shoot, we ended up getting three different publications from three different looks that we did, including the parachute. So that was awesome. Oh, cool! And That's totally cool. Yeah, I mean, just for visibility. I mean, we got ran off the property. <laughs> We were chased by this old rancher on a bicycle. It was hilarious. So, I mean, oh, wow. the entire experience was definitely unforgettable. I can imagine. So, what was the mm-hmm. old, this old airfield was on his property? Or he had bought the no. property? Huh? No, it was um, it was landlocked, basically. It, it was in the middle of a bunch of ranches. Oh, okay. And so, the only way to get to it, at least that we knew about or, or could figure out, we drove in every direction possible was to cut through a field, which had an open gate. There was no, no trespassing sign. There was no anything. So we just drove through this open gate and we're like, Hey, we'll just drive this way. And we kind of drove along the fence and, and eventually we got there and it turned out pretty cool. The photos did, but man, that rancher was pissed off and I don't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> Must be, it was his field you crossed. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, for sure. He, he was flipping us a bird and, and wanted us to leave real good. So we, we eventually left. Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. Well, I have <laughs> a, I work on a personal project I call Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, and my goal is to document all 159 counties in the state, you know, and I'm shooting primarily abandoned small business buildings, you know, that are sitting empty for decades or whatever the case may be. And, yeah, I've seen your gas stations. They're awesome. Yep, thank you. And uh, I'm not. A, I'm one of those guys when it comes to my photography. I'm not afraid to sneak into a place even when there's no trespassing signs to, just to get the <laughs> shot that I want. And uh, well, sometimes it's what you have to do because yeah, it's not absolutely. fair that it says no trespassing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm there to you know set the building on fire or something. I just want to get my shot. And exactly. Think, you know, and I think the building looks cool, so you know, I do what I got to do and. Sometimes I go That's a little awesome. bit overboard for my photography. Like, um, <laughs> I think it was like three years ago in April, I hadn't bought a drone yet. 
And mm -hmm. my girlfriend and I and some other folks in our photography club, we went to this old railroad trestle in Covington, Georgia. And mm -hmm. we were taking photographs, walking around the area. Well, the trestle sits up in the air. It was like a 900 foot embankment to get up to where the actual trestle was at. And oh. I was like, man, I really want a shot from the top of the trestle because it had to, like you were saying a moment ago, the perfect blue sky to white fluffy cloud ratio it was a beautiful yep. sunny day. And I'm like, I've got to get a shot from the top, you know, shooting from the bottom is just not going to do it. So I oh said, God. I said to heck with it. I'm going to climb the embankment, get my shot and come back down. Well, yeah, it didn't all go as planned. So I climbed the embankment, got my shot. The shot turned out amazing. And as I was coming back down, I got about a third of the way down, lost my footing and fell the other 600 feet and fractured my shoulder. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I fractured my shoulder and banged my camera and lens up a bit. Um, I had insurance on the equipment, of course, so I sent those. Oh, good job. I'm yeah, I sent the camera to Canon and had them replace the body panels that got all buggered up and replace the LCDs <laughs> and stuff for me. And and I was afraid I was going to have to have surgery because my doctor had thought I, I had done a rotator cuff injury and they were going to have to operate. But luckily, when they, when they uh, did the MRIs and stuff, they're like, no, you just fractured it. So you were really lucky this time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to my photography, I'll do all kinds of crazy things to get the shot that I want. So. Oh, man. I I can say, I guess, as a model, we'll do crazy things. But, um, I mean, I've jumped into a creek in a snowstorm. Oh, wow. Um, I have done, like, the minor bumps and scrapes where you, like, think you're on a step in a pair of high heels, but you're not. And your ankle gets the brunt of it. Oh. Um, and then, gosh, what what else have I done that's like really brutal? Not not that I can really think of. I mean, I I was in a cage with a couple tigers last year oh, to wow. get a shot for a calendar, and you know they on multiple occasions tried to like bite my arm off. But you know you just try to jump out of the way and go. <laughs> this is fun. Oh jeez. <laughs> um. And keep going, but I've never had, I've never broken anything. I'm, I'm messing on my wood table right now because I don't want to break anything. But good gosh, that is definitely giving it your all for a shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you you haven't had any bouts with poison ivy or anything like that on a sheet yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, that's cactus. I did, I did lean my backside into a cactus, and oh. that. I won't do that again, and yeah. it, it hurts so bad. Yeah, I was gonna say but, that hurts just thinking about it. it yeah, this, those soya cactuses, you have to like get pliers to like pull them out of you because they're Ouch. like reverse barbs, and it oh. hurts so bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> not fun. That's about mm -mm. as bad as getting nailed by a porcupine. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Oh wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, so um. Because I know um, modeling is such a demanding profession, do you have a specific diet and exercise regimen that you follow to maintain your optimum health and fitness for shoots? Or I do. I um, I try. I don't deny myself food, um, like or a specific type of food. I'm primarily a vegetarian, um, and I would definitely say that the last couple of times I've eaten meat, I've gotten food poisoning, which have lovely stories with them. Oh wow. Uh, I, oh yeah, uh, most recently, and oh, and this is a, another thing. A lot of uh, photographers say that I will put everything into a shoot, and uh, they truly mean that. And I know I'm bypassing your question real quick, but I'll get back to it. 
I was on a shoot on um, Friday, and I had driven down to Phoenix, and Phoenix is about two and a half hours away from where I currently live, so it's quite a drive one way. I was super excited to go on the shoot, and I stayed with a friend and a host that evening, and I'm pretty sure I, I had something that had to do with the fish, uh, but I woke up in the morning, and I kind of had a stomachache, wasn't feeling great. I went to my photo shoot, and during the two and a half hour photo shoot, I threw up eight times. Oh, wow. And I had massive food poisoning. And, um, I, but I still got through the shoot and we did amazing shots, you know, just for that brief 10 minutes that I felt fine in between throwing up was great. Not (laughs) that I like to practice and diet that way. (laughs) I really try to stay away from meat. I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. Um, Sometimes, you know, so much so that my boyfriend wonders why there's not other things on the plate besides fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. But I do, um, I, I like to run um, on the treadmill uh, for the most part just because the, there's a lot of wildlife around here during the summertime. Uh, oh, we have yeah. a lot of cougars and stuff that are along the trails, so I don't do that alone. So I have a, a treadmill and a stationary bicycle, and then I just do free weights, and um, I just try to moderate what I eat so that it, I don't overdo it. Although mm-hmm. there are those days where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need an entire bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and so <laughs> as long as I feel that I work out regularly to compensate for that, I feel that I do a really good job, but I don't have a uh, access to a gym and I've had bad experiences, experiences with gyms just in the fact that I had a stalker come from a gym and then people like to just stare at you awkwardly as you work out and I'm not so comfortable with that I'd rather watch tv and run on my treadmill than have some prepo that I have no idea what they're looking at stare at me as I work out oh yeah I can definitely understand that and there's a lot of weird people out there I'll tell you oh oh yeah but yeah I can (laughs) definitely understand um where you live not wanting to run outdoors yeah because it kind Mm -hmm. of spoils your morning run to have a cougar attack you no, you know, I would imagine that that would hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, that gives a whole new meaning to feel the burn while you're running. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, that, that definitely would not be fun. No. And see, I'm originally from northeastern Pennsylvania, so, and I was in scouts, you know, for years when I was a kid. I worked my way all the way up to Eagle Scout, and so my my friends awesome. and, I and my scout troop, we used to we did our summer camp at a place called Camp Berlay, which was at the top of this mountain um, in a neighboring county. And we also went there for our January polar bear camp out. But one year when we were there for summer camp, two or three of us, we got lanterns and we decided to walk around this mile long lake that was on the property. And it was into some very dense woods. And we got about halfway around the lake and we started hearing this noise that sounded like a baby screaming or crying. Oh, no. And turned out it was a mountain lion. It was up in a yep. tree, and it was trying to lure prey, of course. And we, we spotted oh, it yeah. up in the tree with our light, flashlights and lanterns. But eh, that was a lot of fun and excitement. But, yeah, yeah, finding one when you're jogging and it comes up behind you, yeah, that would definitely spoil your morning run. Oh, man. Yeah, the the last time I went, because I did, I did used to go on this three-mile trail, and it was perfect because it was really steep uphill really steep downhill and then I had just some little joggy areas which was you know great for all kinds of working out but the last time I walked on it I was like oh those are interesting tracks and I have been I've 
I know what cougar tracks are because my family owns a zoo. And so I was taking pictures of them and I put my water bottle. I was like, wow, this is a juvenile cougar that has been walking on the same exact trail I've been walking on. I am not doing this again. Oh, wow. And then two weeks later, people saw it in town up on this trail at someone's ranch. I was like, oh, thank God I stopped walking over there. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend when I was in high school back home in Pennsylvania. His family lived up on Armenia Mountain, which was one of the two mountain ranges that bordered my little podunk town in the middle of nowhere. And <laughs> they um, they lived in a log cabin house that was up on Armenia Mountain. And they used to keep, because they the father and son were avid hunters, just like I was when I was younger, deer, bear, everything. And we always yeah. ate, ate what we shot. And so they had an extra... Um, large refrigerator freezer combo on their back porch that we you know plugged into electricity they kept all their extra meat in they were away on yeah. vacation one year and a black bear came up on that back porch and ripped the door off the hinges and ate all the meat oh my gosh oh yeah so <laughs> i can definitely yeah. understand that yeah definitely no don't. thank you and we ha actually had a couple of times in the last 30 years in the neighboring town to where i, I grew up in a town called troy and in the neighboring town of Canton, which is about 10 miles away, they had a, a bar and hotel combo that was for years called the Park Hotel. And then later it was bought and remodeled, turned into an Irish fine dining place. But they actually had two cases in like a 20 year period where in the middle of summer, customers are in there drinking their cold beers at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And a black bear just came up the steps and walked right in the front door. Because they left the door open because it was so hot. Oh, my God. And the building didn't have air conditioning. So, yeah, Black Bear just walks right into the bar while people are shooting pool and drinking their beer. Oh, my God. That would have been a fantastic story, though, to see. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and the bear didn't hurt anybody. It just came in and walked walked in the bar and looked around. Walked around, out. Walked back out again. <laughs> he just wanted to know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe he wanted a beer and then remembered he left his wallet at home or what. Hey, that's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I've, I've definitely seen some crazy wildlife type stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, so just out of curiosity for, for young men and women out there that are interested in getting into modeling, do you have any specific advice or pointers you could give them? Yeah, uh, quite a few. I mean, for both young men and women, I mean, there's, I would say that the hardest part of modeling, and I'm going to start with the downer and then go up on this, but is there is always going to be more than one person when you're starting out that says that you have the wrong look, that you can't do this, that you need to lose weight, that you need to perfect all these things before you can get in front of the camera. And if I would have listened to but one of those people, I would never be doing what I'm doing. And if if you believe what you're doing is something you want to do and your heart is in it, keep going. It doesn't matter if that person says, oh, huh, well, your hair doesn't look good right now or you can't do your makeup. I couldn't either. I figured it out, right? And I figured out how to do my makeup before there were all these makeup tutorials and all of these things on YouTube where everybody could just turn to. And I would say in the early, um, or, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s, when I was a teenager and I'm like, I need to know how to do my makeup. There was no one there except my mom going, here, sweetie, here's some mascara. And that was my mom's version of makeup. 
was mascara and curl in her hair. And I'm like, this is never going to cut it. <laughs> and I love my mom to death. I mean, she's the most amazing person in the world. But she can't do her makeup to save her life if she knows it. And so, you know, that, that wasn't going to help me. So it was just something that was trial and error. You figured it out. You read a lot of books. I spent a lot of time at the library. But I would always tell them, persevere. If someone tells you you can't, ignore that person and go to the next person. And in between that, keep working on what you're doing. And I would definitely say that it's going to be a hard road no matter what. Because no matter how many wins you get, you're going to get, you know, five fails to that one win. And it, it hurts and it, it weighs on you. I mean, it, it strips you down to like the bare parts of your soul and you figure out who you are. And I know that you might think that I'm, you know, talking about curing cancer, but it's somebody judging you on the way you look and the way how you can move and your body and what you put on it. And that bears a lot of weight. It's not something that should be taken lightly. And it's not something that's very easy. It's, for some people, it comes absolutely natural. Mm-hmm. For me, I had to work on it. I was told many multiple times that you don't have the face for a camera. You look better in person than you do on film. Wow. And that that broke my heart. I mean, I was in L.A. when I had big, uh, big name photographers and agencies looking at me going, you know what? I'm sorry. Your measurements are just off and we don't like you. And, you know, that was essentially it. And I was like, wow, well, I don't know exactly what to do, but I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I, my feet are too small for my body size. So everybody thinks that my height measurements are wrong. And by the way, I'm five, nine and I have a size six shoe size. Wow. And so for my height to foot ratio, that's wrong. Like I should have a size nine foot for my height. And so people look at me and they're like, yeah, something's either wrong. Either your foot's a lot bigger or your height is wrong. And so we're betting it's your height. So I didn't have people look at me for the longest time based on my measurements until I saw them in person. They're like, oh, wow, something messed up with your car. And I'm like, nope, you guys got everything accurate. So what people read on paper, unfortunately, is a lot of how they judge you. And then they see just this one wrong photo and they're like, we don't like you for these reasons. But it's all about your attitude. You know, if you go into it and it's something you already want to do, do it for you and then see what happens later. Do it because your heart is in it. And it's a hobby started out as something that is, you know, just you have a passion about and all great things come from someone's passion. Correct. And that's, it's gotta be that, that true love of something. And then people will see how passionate you are about it. And believe me, a mirror, especially a full-length mirror, will be your best friend because it's going to show you, hey, maybe move your hook like this or put your arms this way or don't squeeze this position. And the more awkward it feels, it looks great on film. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a mouthful, but that's my, that's my honest opinion about that. Cool. That's awesome. Well, you know, and it's like with anything, anything in life, like with my photography, you know, I just do it. I, I got intrigued with photography from the time I was a little kid playing around with my parents' camera. And yeah. I've been doing it off and on sometimes as a profession, sometimes as just a hobby for most of 30 years now. And uh, and I and that's why I like doing my project that I mentioned earlier is because sometimes I like to just go out and do my own thing. 
Um, you know, I'm not worried about shooting something that somebody else wants or somebody else is paying me for. I can just go out and do something that I'm passionate about. And I came from a large family of small business owners. So the Forgotten Pieces awesome. of Georgia project really spoke to me when I started seeing all these. And what had happened was um, my girlfriend and I were driving some back roads in Georgia a couple of years ago. And we came upon this small town called Sparta in Hancock County. And at one time, Sparta was like part of the world's, uh, the U.S. and world capital of the cotton industry. Yeah, yeah it was and, huge. And then after the bull weevil epidemic in the early 1900s, it decimated the, you know, the cotton crops and, mm -hmm. you know, everything fell apart. And then later on, the, the building that was the cotton warehouse got bought by a company that turned it into a, a furniture factory. So they manufactured wooden furniture there for many, many years. And then when the company closed the factory and moved everything to Florida, the it just basically turned the town into a ghost town. Mm -hmm. And I came upon it just by happen chance one weekend and, and I stopped on Broad Street, which is the main road in town. And at that time they were, they were making plans to rebuild the courthouse because uh, Sparta is also Hancock County's, it's the county seat. So the county courthouse is there. Well, that had burned to the ground. Um, oh. So I'm there on Broad Street and I'm looking up and down Broad Street. And at one time there was 40 small businesses up and down both sides of the street. And now there's like six and oh. just all these empty buildings. And I was like, man, that's really sad. And wow. that's where I came up with the idea for my project. And, you know, I, I do it because I'm passionate about that particular subject. And I've always been passionate about photography. I'm not lucky enough to be like my son, my son, Darren, he's very talented. He can play guitar. He can draw, he can do all kinds of cool stuff. I didn't, I wasn't born with any of those gifts. So yeah. the only creativity and artistic side of me is my photography. That's it. That's all I have. So, but it, it, well, it's definitely nice to do something you're passionate about for sure. I definitely say that your passion shows in those photos that you're doing with that series. Cause I've looked through most of yours on those abandoned gas stations. And I, I mean, there's a couple of them. I don't know the names of them, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, I could point that out and know who took it sort of thing. It's you're, you can see in the photos that you're taking your passionate. And I guess I have a question for you, just in the fact that are you putting those in some kind of a gallery? Do you have a special page for like a forgotten parts of Georgia or, or that kind of thing? Are you, are you doing something like that? Well, um, I'm hoping to eventually do some sort of book. Um, but right now I, I did create a web page for the project. That's just the, uh, the, the website is forgotten pieces of Georgia.com. And okay. I have started a YouTube channel because I, I started out just doing stills and a couple of my professors when I was finishing my bachelor's degree in photography, they're like, you really should start shooting video too. And then posting mm. like behind the scenes clips and stuff like that on a YouTube channel. So I started doing that. It, uh, it's hard for me to keep up with the YouTube side of things because I work two full-time jobs, one in photography and one in IT. And it Dude. doesn't leave me a lot of spare time. And now I started this podcast. <laughs> the podcast is a little bit easier to do because, you know, um, I just talk into a microphone, record it, or I do an interview like I am today with you. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of editing I have to do. I, I don't cut any pieces out or anything like that. So once I'm done recording <laughs> it, I just upload it to the, the company that I have host my files and it goes out to iTunes and everything else. But uh, awesome. 
but you do and you and i were talking about that earlier you're getting ready to start a youtube channel which which i think is fantastic um but it's so much work to do youtube videos oh my god it's so much work dude the Holy filming crap. and the editing and you know putting in music and all this other stuff it's like oh my god it's, <laughs> it's just a lot of work a lot of work hours on this so far but yeah i am starting a, a youtube channel thank you for mentioning that it is ellie cat um and if there's no videos there yet and for some reason i have a subscriber <laughs> and <laughs> i'm doing more of a you know kind of what happens with modeling as far as you know i get ready myself because you can't always hire uh, a hair and makeup artist right if you don't if you're a freelance model that's not something that's easy for you to obtain. And so Correct. you can't just go, Oh, I'm going to hire this person. And because there goes all the money that you made yep. with hiring the hair and makeup. And so you got to do a little bit of the, Hey, I'm getting ready part and a little bit of the makeup part, but a lot of behind the scenes and how that works to what you actually get back from, you know, the photographer and, and how that looks in comparison to what it actually looks like on the set, to what they actually develop and give to you. And so far, my videos are fun uh, that I'm editing. I'm just looking for that uh, area where I can find music that doesn't have a copyright so I can put it on. You can clearly see I have no idea what I'm talking mm. about. But I'm starting it, and that's all they can. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, actually, actually, I can help you with that because you might not be aware, but YouTube actually has royalty-free music built into their system that you can use for your videos. Oh, dude, I didn't even know that. Yep, they do. I'll have to send you the links on how you get to that stuff. Oh, please do. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, like I said, and, and being the, the work that you do with the modeling, I mean, I can imagine you can put some fantastic videos together, you know, of how you get ready for a shoot, the kind of things that you, you know, get, you have to do in preparation for any kind of project shoot or anything like that. And mm -hmm. I, I, I can definitely see that as being a YouTube channel that'll take off and be really popular for sure. I'm hoping so. I mean, it, what's really great is I have the most amazing support system ever. I mean, I, I found this boyfriend in like the middle of nowhere, right? And he has turned out to be the most amazing man. And he will follow me on these things holding either a GoPro or my iPhone and one of those little gimbal things. And take videos of me so that I can put it on my computer and he's just he's like right there to help me or he'll he'll chip in and he'll help the photographer just with lights or uh you know moving my hair or fixing clothing because some photographers don't like to come up to a model who's half naked and say hey can I move this because it's in the way yeah exactly. and so my boyfriend's like I'll do it you know he doesn't have to ask and he walks up and the photographer's like thank you so much <laughs> so it's great to have that kind of system. Yeah. Not everybody does. I found out that, you know, some, which is unfortunate. And I would, I guess, say for those models that don't have that support system, whose boyfriends or husbands or whomever they are, or are jealous of what they're doing. I had one of those and it doesn't end well. And find somebody who supports you. You know, they, that find that person who's not jealous that, hey, you're taking beautiful pictures in front of a photographer, but you go home with the boyfriend. You're not going home with the photographer. And a lot of those boyfriends don't understand that. Yeah. You know, that's a touchy subject for some, but man, I have the best boyfriend. I just, I have to put that out there. That's totally cool. And yeah, like you said, it's definitely a huge support. It's a huge part of 
you know, your work as a model, having somebody that's there for you and supports what you're doing and, and is totally uh -huh. cool with everything you're doing and even goes with you. And like you say, shooting the behind the scenes footage. So now you can put that into your YouTube. I mean, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, I do have to throw one thing in there. They're, you know, it works. They, uh, uh, a lot of the people here just jerks. I don't want to use too much profanity because I don't know what can go on your channel. And I don't want to be rude, but <laughs> man, you just want to beat the tar out of them, right? So yeah. this guy comes up to my boyfriend because my boyfriend works in the same area in the diesel diagnostics part of the job working on big cat equipment. And he comes up to him and says, hey, dude, uh, I hate to say this, but you know your girlfriend has like naked photos online, right? And my boyfriend looks at him and he pauses. And he gathers himself and he's all, no shit, stupid. I was there holding the light. <laughs> and then the guy just kind of puts his face down. He's all, oh, well, sorry, man. I just want you to know. And he like walks off with his tail tucked. I'm like, what a jerk. Oh my and God. by the way, why were you tripping on my shirt when you hang out with my boyfriend? I mean, you know what I mean. But <laughs> geez Louise. Oh, my goodness. But, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny because I, I'll throw in one of the stories from my younger days. Um, back in my hometown, I worked for a few years in this paper factory, and, and it was called Paper Magic. Our, our plant was called Eureka. Not really original, but um, but we made like the we made like the Christmas tags that people put on their Christmas presents. You know the two front oh, tags, cool. and we did. Yeah. And you don't see them as much anymore. But one of the big things we did was all of the paper cutouts for like Christmas and Halloween and Valentine's Day and all that stuff. Wow. And well, I worked there, and a couple of my cousins worked there as well. These sisters, Donna and Ginger, and. Ginger was dating a guy who was one of my best friends. He was a few years older than me, but he and his brother, Bobby, and I were really, uh, it was Bobby and Carl, and I was really close with them. Used to go hunting with them all the time and stuff. And Gin, my cousin Ginger's boyfriend, Carl, he used to go out of town a lot because he did construction. So he was on the road quite a bit, traveling to other counties or other states for these projects. And Ginger... I, I love her to death. She's always had kind of a twisted sense of humor like myself. And <laughs> so one one summer, while Carl was out of town for a couple of months on this big construction project, she got the idea for her and I to walk around the plant holding hands all the time and sitting <laughs> sitting together in the break room on our meal breaks and going out to smoke together and all this stuff. And we did this oh, no. seven days a week for like <laughs> two months. And then, of course, Carl comes back into town, and the first night he's back into town, we're working, so he stops down at the plant on our dinner break, and he's in there sitting, you know, with his wife, while well, they were married at this point, they were in there uh, having dinner together, they were sitting together, and she deliberately told me to sit on the other side of the break room, and all of the gossips in that place couldn't wait to go just running in there hey carl carl i think i think bill's <laughs> having an affair with your wife man they've been running around holding hands and all this stuff for the last couple of months and he just looked at me he's like you freaking idiots they're cousins they did that just to screw with you <laughs> so yeah she and i used to have some real fun messing with people's heads when we were younger oh my gosh i wish i'd have had like cousins and stuff to hang out with like that that would have been awesome 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I said, she, she and I both, we, that's one of the reasons why we were such good friends is we both had that twisted sense of humor like that. Oh man. If I had someone like that on my back, I would have screwed with so many people. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun. And those people looked, oh, they were, you, you could just tell it just totally blew their minds that the whole time we were playing them like that. Cause we knew, they oh, were, man, that we knew which awesome. people were gossips. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Oh, and that was so much fun. So mean, wow. but so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on both accounts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now I I had you send me your links. I'm going to make sure I put those in the description for the episode. Um, on, you're on Instagram as Ellie Cat, as well as Facebook as model.elliecat. Well, I guess that's what you are on both. Um, yeah. And then uh, if you want to go ahead and shoot me your YouTube channel, once you get your first couple of videos posted, I can update the description and put that in there as well for you. Because awesome, uh, I mean, you. you definitely do some awesome work, and it, it's so strange to hear you talking about, you know, how people didn't want to work with you because they said you didn't have the right look and stuff. Because I've seen a lot of your photographs, and you do great work. I mean, you're very Thank attractive. You. you got great looks. I've seen some of the cool theme stuff you've done. It's just fabulous work. Oh, I really appreciate that. It, I would definitely say, it's been a really hard road for me modeling and i mean some of the pictures don't show it but i'm i don't know i'm kind of a nerd and a goofball and like there's there's not much that i've found that i either don't love doing or that i can't do and i've not to horribly brag on myself but you know i've been told by multiple people you are so naturally talented at so many things i'm like well thanks it's because i have a passion and i want to do it and i i believe that that's what stands in people's way is they don't believe in themselves And I, I really believe in myself and I know that if anything else happens, if no one else believes in me, I know that I do. And that's, what's going to drive me forward. Exactly. Mm. And that's why you'll keep succeeding. Thank you. That's why I'm where I'm at today. I've had a lot of people put me down for many things and um, I have always been a person to persevere. So. Uh, I was talking to one of my new friends on Facebook. He does a photography podcast as well. And he and I were chatting on Facebook Messenger the other night. And, and you know, I'd made some comments about some of their past episodes that were really amazing. Um, one they did on flash, uh, flash photography and sync speeds and all that stuff. And then I got I got talking to him one on one on Facebook Messenger. And he's like, man, I appreciate the You know, the positive things you're saying about the episodes. He said, I mostly only ever hear from the haters. And I said, dude, exactly. it's an old saying, but it's true. Haters are going to hate. You got to learn to just ignore them. <laughs> yeah. There's that's always going to be somebody out there that's going to hate on you just because they're jealous or whatever. Or they just, that's their lot in life to make other people as miserable as possible. <laughs> yeah. And they're always the loudest for yep. some reason, right? Exactly. You just, you, I don't get it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, all right. I don't want to keep you too long. We've gone a little bit over an hour, which is great because I, I like I like the interviews to be the longer format. Some of my other episodes where I just talk about cameras or, or various equipment, things like that are shorter episodes, but I definitely wanted the interviews to be longer. And, awesome. uh, and so I hope I didn't tie you up too much and keep you away from other things that you needed to attend to, but I definitely wanted to say. Oh, thank heck you. no. I, <laughs> only thing I got to do is feed my silly gospel. <laughs> I think I'm going to watch some TV and pack for my trip tomorrow, but no, I, I so appreciated this and thank you for extending the offer. And Hey, if you ever want to chat again and, and whatnot, you just let me know. That's awesome. Oh, absolutely. I, I can definitely think we would definitely have you on again as another, as a, as a guest on another episode in the near future. 
Absolutely. You've been wonderful to talk to and, and you've <laughs> given me a lot of insight, you know, and, and my listeners, a lot of insight into, you know, what you go through, you know, to do what you do and what you're passionate about. And I think it's great yeah. that all these new doors are opening for you in, in other states too. I think that's awesome. No, well, thank you. I appreciate that. If I'm, I'm never in your neck of the woods, believe me, I'll, I'll look you up. We can go, you know, break into a gas station and we can shoot inside. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, like I said, you know, if you if you start traveling for shoots and you come to the Atlanta area, definitely let me know ahead of time because I'll, I'll definitely book some time with you. Yeah, for sure. I will. All right. <clears throat> well, thanks again for your time, Ellie. You have yourself a wonderful day. You too. You have a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, there you go, folks. That wraps up my first interview with Ellie Cat, professional freelance model. Uh, like I said earlier, when I, as I was talking to her, you can check out her links in the description of this podcast. Um, you can find her on Instagram as well as Facebook. And she is starting her own YouTube channel uh, with videos that her boyfriend shoots for her while she's out on various modeling gigs, um, behind the scenes stuff, you know, all the things she goes through to do jobs, you know, doing her own hair, makeup, wardrobe, all of that stuff. So I was really grateful to get her on the show today, and I think it made for a really awesome episode. I want to thank my listeners again for, for listening to this podcast, for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and any other podcatchers that you use. And I want to thank you for listening to this. This is Liam Douglas with the Liam Photography Podcast, and I'll see you next time.